You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and it is Tuesday, which means it's another Taco Tuesday episode, which means Spencer Schultz from Baltimore Beatdown is back on the show today. Spencer, how are you today? Doing well. It was a really exciting championship Sunday. The Chiefs are high entertainment value, and it's looking like it's going to be a really classic matchup of uh, kind of the nuances of the NFL, who I would consider the two best offensive-minded coaches in Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, who can really dial it up and in two different, very different ways, where you see an offense that virtually exists without running backs in Kansas City and an offense that is all running backs in Kyle Juszczyk, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, uh, and all those guys. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. The 49ers probably match up as well as any team can defensively to go and try and stop Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see what happens. Feels like it's going to be a much more exciting game than the Patriots Rams debacle of 2019. So it's exciting stuff. Yeah, that, that last year's Super Bowl wasn't wasn't the best Super Bowl I've ever seen, but I think this one's going to really, you know, put that one to to shame and, you know, really be exciting. But Spencer, you mentioned that offensive system that, you know, the Chiefs had with their speed and the 49ers with their running backs and Talking about how the Ravens offense can evolve from this year into next season. And, you know, obviously the Ravens have one of the best offensive seasons that, you know, they've ever seen in Lamar Jackson and they have all the pieces, but they need a few more pieces. And John Harbaugh alluded to the fact that, you know, there's a certain type of receiver they're looking for. And I think most people are kind of going for, well, we need a big physical receiver is what John Harbaugh is trying to say. Do you think that that's where the Ravens should be looking? Or do you think they should be looking to add more of a speedster, another burner to that offense? I personally think that another burner and not just a guy who runs nine routes, but I mean, obviously Hollywood Brown is a first round pick for a reason. He has a complete route tree. He can run digs. He can run across the middle and do some different things. But if you have Hollywood Brown and let's say Hollywood Brown, two of them, whoever you want to call that, whether it's rugs, Robbie Anderson, whatever you have, having two guys that can really separate downfield is a difficult matchup for any secondary. There's not a lot of teams that possess two cornerbacks that can both go line up with those smaller, speedier, more, you know, agile separators and really stick with them. Um, Most teams at best have one guy that can go do that. And I think it would add an extra element where it causes teams to really play Russian roulette with stacking the box even more because you can stack the box and pay attention to Marquise Brown. And as far as the big physical receiver thing goes to me, Hayden Hurst, and Mark Andrews fit the bill already. You have Miles Boykin, who flashed in camp. We're not exactly sure what Miles Boykin is yet. He doesn't necessarily go run routes like a like the six foot three, well over two hundred pound guy that he is. But he does have a massive frame. He has shown contested ball ability, and getting him to you know get a little bit more physical could be excellent. He's a hell of a blocker. But in my opinion, getting someone like a Jalen Rager or a Henry Ruggs or a C.D. Lamb, or, you know, however the cookie crumbles with wide receivers would be a huge move for the Ravens in taking this offense and and having it be something that can score slow and bleed you to death or just chop your head off and go right down the field a la Kansas City. And it feels like speed is a necessity. Speed is a necessity in coming back. The Ravens saw what they had in Lamar Jackson, and they really struggled the last two years, even with Marquise Brown, having guys that can separate 
and run through zone coverage. And in my opinion, the best way to stop Lamar Jackson is really what the Titans did. And it's not some blueprint. It's not some seven DBs, as everyone wanted to say last year, but it's playing zone defense because the matter of the fact is that Lamar Jackson will toast you in man coverage. If you have your back turned to him, good luck. He also throws guys open really well against man coverage. Uh, he's just not quite as sharp in zone coverage, and it takes a couple years when defenses are rotating things, and then only rushing four. So having guys that can go run through a zone and still get separation on a defender, like Marquise Brown to me, is going to be something that's very important moving forward. Uh, whereas, you know, love Willie Sneed, what he does as a blocker, he's tough over the middle, he's going to be a Raven for the next couple years, but he doesn't fit that bill. Seth Roberts doesn't fit that bill. Chris Moore doesn't fit that bill. Miles um, Boykin, we're not sure yet, but... Bold prediction, he's not going to fit that bill either. So I'd like to see some more speed there for sure. Yeah, and Ruggs was a guy who during the season was a guy who I really, really liked and I still do. And if he's available at 28, he's kind of had his draft stock climb a bit. There's no guarantee he will be there. But if Ruggs is there, he's a guy who I would love to see on the Ravens for that exact reason. But Spencer, moving over to the other side of the ball, we talked about last week how the Ravens barely played base defense last year and how the Ravens have, you know, as you like to call them, you know, offense and defense, the the big the big boys, the big uglies like Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, and guys who don't really make an impact as a pass rusher. And, you know, as we saw in the Chiefs game on Sunday, you know, Chris Jones up there in the middle making, you know, all these plays for Ryan Tannehill so difficult giving pressure after pressure after pressure. Do you think the Ravens need to necessarily shell out the big bucks for Michael Pierce? Would you want them to go after a guy who can get to the quarterback and maybe isn't as solid in the run defense? I believe that Michael Pierce's market, and it has nothing to do with his play, but I believe his market might have gone down a good bit, whereas maybe two years ago, let's say he were to somehow hit free agency after his second season, um, he might have been able to command a, a pretty big deal. But now it feels like those those two-down players that don't pressure the quarterback and are, are more two-gappers, guys who are going to be you know, standing up to double teams more than they're going to be flying through one gap and trying to penetrate upfield and make an explosive player. Just not as impactful, uh, especially in the analytics community, on win probability and EPA and all that good stuff. So it feels like Michael Pierce's market has gone down a little bit, and I'm not so sure that the Ravens need Michael Pierce at this point or necessarily Brandon Williams. And, of course, they've gotten gashed in the run game when – uh, they relied on those guys and, you know, the Browns debacle, Brandon Williams wasn't there and all that good stuff. But it just feels like having a player that can shoot up field and a guy who's going to be able to, to attack one gap and play a more traditional one gap system, which isn't going to happen. John Harbaugh has never run a one gap, but it's something I would definitely like to see. But getting a guy like Chris Jones or, uh, you know, looking to the draft like a Javon Kinlaw or Raekwon Davis. And I mean, the prospect I think I'm most enamored with that the Ravens won't be able to sniff without you know giving up years worth of capital is Derek Brown and having a player like that that can truly disrupt and get upfield and make plays in the backfield whether it's against a run or the pass would add an element to this defense that is now going to be able to rely on hopefully if they stay healthy uh, Marlon Humphrey Marcus Peters Earl Thomas Tavon Young's coming back I'd like to see Jimmy Smith back we'll see how that pans out and, uh, you know, Averitt and Amon Marshall, young guys, maybe they end up bringing someone else in in free agency or another guy in the draft. But it feels like they have the strength in their secondary and having someone that can really push the pocket and kind of get the edge rushers, whether it's Matt Judon, Tyus Bowser, what ha- whatever happens. Edge rushers get a lot of sacks when quarterbacks break the pocket and quarterbacks don't need to break the pocket against the Ravens that much because they don't get pressure up the gut. And it kind of makes it 
a little easier as a tackle knowing that your guy's going to have to cross your face if he wants to do anything. So uh, I believe that getting a penetrating three-tech uh, would be a huge advancement for the defense, someone that can make plays, that can win one-on-one, shed blocks, get up fields, pressure the quarterback, force the ball out a little quicker. It's going to lead to more turnovers, more bad decisions, and all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, the Ravens are tied to Brandon Williams. He's not going anywhere, but I just don't feel that Michael Pierce is an absolute necessity depending on how things play out. And we'll get to that when free agency actually starts, once the season's actually over, and we know who will be on the market, who will not. And it's uh, questions that will be answered, but not quite yet. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned getting to the quarterback and something where the Ravens had the highest blitz percentage throughout the entire NFL last year. When you look ahead to next season, Spencer, do you see the Ravens blitzing as much as they did? I know Don Martindale's scheme really calls for a lot of exotic blitzes and the fact that, you know, all the stuff about the Ravens not generating pressure with four men rushing the passer was a key part of that as well to a degree. Do you expect Don Martindale to bring the pressure as much as he did this season? Or do you think with the infusion of more pass rush talent, you can kind of dial that back a bit? I believe he'll blitz just as much for the most part, even if they do kind of follow suit and maybe pick up another edge rusher and uh, another interior penetrator. But it's not the blitz. The, the blitzing was what helped the Ravens defense. I don't think that detracted against the pass, but having the ability to not blitz, to just rush four, to just rush three at times and get a little bit of pressure and do some different things. Being multiple is king and having the ability to do different things. And the Ravens didn't lose in the playoffs because of blitzing. That's not what killed them. Um, they did let up a huge touchdown on a play action pass where they did run blitz, but they kind of had to, cause they were struggling to stop Derrick Henry. And, uh, that's where we saw the, the double move, the out and up by Khalif Raymond. And, uh, that happened on a run blitz and that's not even in the same wheelhouse necessarily. So I've gotten off topic, but I think the blitzing is here to stay. You want quarterbacks to get the ball out quickly when you have a strength in the secondary. You have physical press corners like Peters and Marlon Humphrey and guys that can kind of make plays early on. Um, so if you can force quarterbacks to get the ball out early, that would be great. I don't think the the, blitz, the blitzing helped the Ravens. A lot of guys at PFF are infatuated with the blitzing and their ability to manufacture pressure without having great pass rushers necessarily. Uh, but it's just a little difficult when you don't have, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players like Terrell Suggs, let's say Von Miller, who's also in a kind of a 3-4 system. But the Ravens just aren't in their base that much, and they like to do a lot of different things. But uh I don't think they would need to blitz, although they probably still would. So they would be able to drop back comfortably at times. And uh, maybe that helps you when you're playing a, a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes or someone and the blitz isn't quite getting there and their line's picking it up. Helps you do some different things. Yeah, and something that some people still don't really you know, understand and get how big of a factor it was was the fact that the Ravens really only carried three outside linebackers for the majority of the season, guys who, you know, Matt Judon, Jalen Ferguson, and Tyus Bowser after Pernell McPhee went down, who was having a pretty rejuvenated season back in Baltimore. That's really what the Ravens were dealing with. So having the ability to add another outside guy, another inside guy, I think you're right. That's exactly what the Ravens, you know, need, but I don't think it necessarily, you know, is the be all end all for blitzing for Don Martindale. But we're going to go to break now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the draft a bit, getting into trade up versus trade down and a few other things. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. 
But before we do that, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctors visit, no more waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. This is BlueChew.com. If you get your first shipping free, when you use our special promo code Locked On, just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode on Taco Tuesday. Kevin Ostreicher still here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, something that the Ravens have been known to do a lot during the draft is trades. And the Ravens have some draft picks this year that they can potentially maneuver around the draft with. When you look at Baltimore and their needs and the players on the board, do you think it's more likely that Baltimore might trade up for a guy and sacrifice some picks in the later rounds, which they value so much? Or could you see a situation where Baltimore trades down if there's a guy who's not there at 28 who they like, maybe get an early second round pick and then maybe even a second round pick in next year's draft, kind of like what Baltimore had to give up to move back to number 32 to select Lamar Jackson? It's uh, yet to be seen a little bit because we're still trying to dive in and determine, you know, is this a deep draft? Is this a top heavy draft? Is it in between somewhere but with a plethora of picks if let's say a Derek Brown and Isaiah Simmons uh, a defensive playmaker starts to slip a little bit and gets into that 15 range let's say that 16 range I think the Ravens could absolutely move up uh, try to get a little higher pick if it if they're able to do so maybe uh, give a little bit of capital next year and I would love to see this team really go all in You've made the playoffs. You've won two straight division titles. Your quarterback's going to have a full season under his belt. Your offense was explosive. All your coaches are coming back. The championship window is now. It's it's 2020, 2021, uh, and then hopefully 2022. So without, let's say, you know, giving away, mortgaging the future the way that the Rams did, I would like to see the Ravens be a little bit aggressive in free agency and in the draft in going to go find a starter, a solid plus starter, a good rookie uh, at the top of the draft that can go make a difference. It feels like this team's a little deeper, doesn't have as many holes necessarily, so they might be able to kind of do that and move up. Uh, With that being said, about trading down, they stand tight at 28, and they've got a couple guys on the board they'd be happy to take in at, you know, 40, 45, wherever it is. Yeah, they could absolutely move down if they feel that, you know, they want to acquire some second-round picks, some third-round picks. And then that also gives you the opportunity to kind of dispose of some of your later picks once you get into the second and third round using your sixth-round pick or uh, a fourth-round pick to move up into the third round and make some plays. So you can move up to move down, and you can move down to move up, uh, all that good stuff. And we've seen Ozzie Newsome do that time and time again. Uh, The draft that yielded Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Orlando Brown, there was – as much maneuvering as I've ever seen, it was like watching a Russian ballet almost with Ozzie Newsom trading back, trading back, trading up, doing all this commotion. Uh, with that being said, I think that Eric Tacosta does have a slight bit of PTSD from not having a second round pick last year. There were so many quality players in the second round last year, especially a wide receiver that were taken between Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, a bunch of different guys that ended up being really big playmakers, AJ Brown. And Eric DaCosta had to kind of grit his teeth and wait his turn. And then he ended up making a move and getting uh, Jalen Ferguson and Miles Boykin in the third round. So I think he is a little scarred. So we'll see how he values the second round. And that's yet to be determined. 
Yeah, that second round yielded a lot of great playmakers. I mean, even on the offensive line, Eric McCoy, the center for the Saints, who had an outstanding year for them. But The guy I was in love with, Eric yeah. McCoy, I was in love with. I, I liked Eric year. McCoy a lot, too. And I was hoping he would slip to the third round to Baltimore, but unfortunately the Saints put an end to his slide. He was considered a first-round prospect in a lot of circles. But moving on, Spencer, you've mentioned Derek Brown a lot as a guy who you're absolutely in love with. Would you say that he's a guy who's your favorite player at this point in time? Obviously, it's a bit early, but you're raving about him a lot. So I, I'd have to assume that's your guy. But is that your guy for you know the foreseeable future for the Ravens, a guy who can fit in and really have that interior pressure? Or is there a guy who you like even more? If I could choose any player for the Ravens, and with no disrespect to Chase Young, I think Derek Brown is incredibly, incredibly high ceiling. I think he's already developed. I think he can come right in, step in, and be an early difference maker. Uh, I believe he'll be an all-pro player. He can one-gap. He can two-gap. You can kick him from zero to one to three all over the defensive line. He can play in any system, any front. Uh, He has a great motor, great athleticism. He has great strength, hand usage. So that is my favorite player currently in this draft. I honestly have not felt the need to dive into Chase Young because he just feels out of the wheelhouse of the Ravens. And uh, I have not, that's, that's not going to happen. That's not going to be a match. And I know people love Chase Young, um, but I just feel that Derek Brown is a can't miss prospect that you can plug on any defense anywhere. And he is going to give offensive linemen fits for years to come. A guy that consistently made plays without ever uh, giving his assignment up or doing anything out of the that wasn't necessary. Uh, so he's a smart player, a sound player, and an explosive athlete as well. So I'm very high on Derek Brown. I don't see a world where he slips out of the top 10, uh, but crazier things have happened. And if the Ravens wanted to trade up and get Derek Brown, and let's say they gave up you know, this year's first round, this year's third round, this year's one of their fourth rounders, and next year's second round or something like that, I would not hate it at all. Uh, get back maybe a fourth rounder next year or something like that. But I would love to see Derek Brown. It's probably not a possibility, but that is the prospect right now that I'm kind of stuck on is like, wow, whoever gets this guy is getting a freaking stud and he uh, is going to be able to get pressure. So he's the player that ideally, as I was describing earlier, someone who can two gap when needed in kind of base defenses or Ravens don't even really play anymore, but then stay on the field on third down and go get pressure and push the pocket and disengage and make plays penetrating upfield. That would be the ideal fit of this rookie class for sure. Yeah, and pressure is the name of the game for Baltimore. We've been talking about it this whole episode. But Spencer, when you look at the outside guys, the edge rushers, who are some of your favorites? Because there are a few guys who I think if they were drafted by Baltimore could come in and make an immediate impact. Who have you kind of reviewed and who have you almost fallen in love with? Another guy, and he's a bit of a tweener, probably a day two pick. I could see him maybe being a day three pick because uh, he is a bit of a tweener, is James Lynch out of Baylor. He was a coveted recruit came in, joined with uh, Matt Rule at Baylor when they were a 1-11 team, was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, I believe. Uh, No, he was Defensive Lineman of the Year. Had 12 and a half sacks this past year. He is about 6'3", somewhere in the ballpark of 300 pounds. He has kind of a somewhat similar build to Pat Ricard, maybe a little more bottom heavy, uh, whereas Ricard has a huge upper body torso, which makes life easy as a fullback. But uh, he has great drive, incredible hand usage. He is 
has played a good bit of reps as an edge, as a really big edge. Played in a unique system for Baylor. They ran a 3-3-5 pretty much every single snap where he would be somewhere between the 3, the 4, and the 5 technique. Um, so he has a ton of experience with double teams because of playing in that 3-3-5. He's getting double teamed a ton. Still was able to disengage, split blocks. He was a great run stuffer. And he has just enough juice where he can go make plays. And I don't think the Ravens would end up necessarily uh, putting him on the edge at all. For maybe from time to time, kind of like how we saw Jihad Ward. But as a three technique coming into this defense, I think he's a guy that could make a ton of plays, start maybe halfway through his rookie year or early on and make an impact for a long time to come. He was a extremely high prospect coming out of high school, has been consistent throughout his time in college and then really exploded last year. So I believe he's a guy that's maybe flying a bit under the radar that has a developed game as far as hand usage leverage pad level and understanding of diagnosing and where to split and where to kind of anchor down and drop a knee to go against a double team so a guy that i would love to see the ravens maybe walk away with in the third round if he makes it that far but i have a funny feeling he'll end up sneaking into the second round yeah all these sleepers are guys who you know might not be well known at the moment and the guy who you know might not be or might not have the most explosive physical traits you've ever seen, but someone who can produce, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. So that's one of the key proponents for the Ravens is finding guys on day two, on day three, who can come in and contribute to the team, and they've been so good at that for so many years. But we are going to go to break now when we get back for our final segment. We're going to be getting into free agency a bit, talking about who the Ravens should keep, who they should let walk, and a few other guys who are not on the team who the Ravens could bring in. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help train your mind. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more like sleep stories and meditation. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on that's calm.com slash locked on welcome back to the final segment of this locked on ravens episode kevin ostriker still here with spencer schultz and we just got into the draft but another area where the ravens can improve their team and plug up some holes is through free agency but they first have to decide who they want back from their current roster and in the secondary the ravens are pretty much set but there are a few guys who have the potential to leave jimmy smith is a guy who's an unrestricted free agent brandon carr has a team option and the ravens could part ways with tony jefferson a guy who if the ravens did cut they would save seven million dollars spencer when you look at those secondary guys who would you want the ravens to bring back and then who would you kind of want them to say goodbye to i think it's time to say goodbye to brandon carr Maybe he comes back as a very subtly rotational piece on a cheap contract wanting to stay. He's a player that has a ton of experience, and I'm sure that he's good to have around in the locker room for the younger guys, for Marlon Humphrey and uh, some of those younger players. But I don't believe he uh, quite fits the bill necessarily to be commanding money with the Ravens. Had a lot of cap space. They basically made their big splash already on Marcus Peters, and they do have room for one more if they want to go that route and then try to fill in through the draft. But uh, I would love to see Jimmy Smith back in Baltimore. I think he played at a really high level this year. We didn't see his name called a ton. He didn't get beat downfield a ton. Uh, was sticky and always a great sure tackler, able to come up and make plays in the run as well. So haven't seen a lot of fall off following his 
injury and some of the things that have happened with him. So if he is willing to stick around for uh, less than a pretty penny, that would be ideal for sure. Michael Pierce, if he is going to garner, let's say, $9, $10 million a year, I think he's priced himself out of Baltimore. I don't think with Brandon Williams on this roster uh, that Michael Pierce is moving the needle enough to command that type of money, whereas you can probably go find someone else. You did invest a pick in Dalen Mack last year who didn't get a ton of experience. We'll see how an offseason treats him, but uh, the Ravens have shown a propensity to be able to go find guys just like Michael Pierce, and if you can go pay a guy 2 $3 million in a one-year contract, uh, let's say even Pecco, then bring him back. Something like that. I think you can get the old 80-20 Aussie rule if Pierce is able to get something from a team that really wants to upgrade their run-stuffing ability. And Pierce has been a great player at times. He did have a little bit of issues with his weight this offseason, which was obviously way too public, in my opinion. Uh, Maybe he's going to come back in better shape, and I regret saying the Ravens should move on from him. But at this point, uh, it's difficult. There's a guy like Ashawn Robinson coming out of Detroit who maybe you can pay a little bit less on the free agent market, and we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, and for Baltimore, you know, they have a few guys here and there who were key contributors who might not be back. But, you know, the biggest contributor who is a free agent is Matthew Judon. And it's going to be a question all offseason, Spencer, as to whether the Ravens are going to bring him back or not. In terms of Matthew Judon, do you think that the Ravens are going to bring him back? I do believe that they're going to, and I have kind of a silly reason why the first one is not so silly i think that they kind of already made the decision we would prefer to have judon who's maybe a little bit more versatile and fits into the scheme a tad bit better than Zadarius smith uh judon is very durable he's able to drop back into coverage move around do a couple different things so i think they kind of already decided we would like to keep judon last year and see if he can continue to climb which he did i don't think they're going to move on from him because they kind of always when players are impending free agents or there's a change coming of some sort, the Ravens PR team feels like they already kind of get informed because if you go on the Ravens website or if you see a billboard on 95 or something of the sort, you never saw Zadarius Smith on one last year. When Lamar Jackson came in as the Ravens starter, all of a sudden all of the mannequins in the stadium were replaced with number eight jerseys instead of Joe Flacco number five jerseys. I think the Ravens are a little bit deliberate behind the scenes in terms of PR, and it feels like they've always latched onto Judon and had Judon kind of be front and center on this team, uh, sending him out for interviews and different things and having him do appearances around the league on different shows and things of the sort. So I believe the Ravens are going to hold on to Judon. I think they want to, unless he just prices himself too high. If someone wants to go pay him $18 million, $17 million, maybe they can hang on to him. Um, the only other alternative is if they want. In my eyes, it's really only Jadevian Clowney. I think Ngakwe is a very different player, uh, a guy who might be a little better hand in the dirt and kind of playing in that, one gap scheme a little bit more, whereas Judon's more experienced dropping to cover. So I'd say maybe Clowney uh, fits the bill of that same mold as Judon in a way, although he does not drop into coverage nearly as often. But uh, I believe the Ravens are going to hang on to Judon unless a drastic decision is made or he just ends up getting a ridiculous contract for, a, let's say, four or five years. The Ravens are not willing to match. But I'd say I'm fairly confident Judon's going to stay in Baltimore. And something that I feel like is a little underrated for the Ravens and something that hasn't really been going their way in the recent years is the kick returner game, the punt returner, the returner game in general. And the Ravens started with Cyrus Jones and last year for the Ravens, Cyrus Jones was a breath of fresh air for the team. But 
this season didn't really do a lot for the Ravens. Ended up getting cut after having a fumble against the Patriots. And the Ravens brought in DeAnthony Thomas, who didn't really do a lot. And part of that is just because of the fact that he fair caught a lot of footballs. But ever since the Jacoby Jones days, it just hasn't seemed like Baltimore has had that game breaker in the return game. Something where if the Ravens had a Miko Hardman who plays for the Chiefs, their whole special teams would be completely different. And, you know, a threat and John Harbaugh being a special teams guy. Do you think the Ravens are going to spend a lot of time looking for a guy who can really be that game breaker in the return game? Possibly. Um, I believe that if they are to bring on a speedy receiver, there's a couple guys who fit the bill. Jalen Rager is the first one that comes to mind who could potentially be there in the second round. They could move up a little tiny bit to go get him at pick 50, 55, something like that from where they're sitting at the bottom of the second round. So uh, I think that they'll try to bring on not just a returner, but a guy who is not going to kind of occupy a separate spot on the 53-man roster. I think the Ravens like to have someone who can do multiple things as opposed to, let's say, DeAnthony Thomas, who did go cover some kicks on different situations and things, but wasn't really uh, involved on much more of a capacity than special teams and uh, did feel like they lacked some explosion and didn't have any return touchdowns. And uh, I don't have any stats on it. I haven't looked into it, but it feels like that's the first time in a while that the Ravens haven't been able to go score on special teams and make big impact plays. They kind of were lackluster in that area, and they did fair catch a lot of balls, allowed a lot of touchbacks. And part of that was a lot of transition and a lot of the depth guys getting moved around who don't have a ton of experience on special teams and some of the nuances of blocking and how the return game works and things like that. So we'll see with uh, Chris Horton coming back in his second year, what he's able to do after he had to really make sure you get the fundamentals down just as kind of the entire Ravens offense did as well and see if they can kind of transform into something else and uh, get a guy who can go do multiple things and also help you in the return game. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But Spencer, finally, when you look at the inside linebackers and you know, how the Ravens brought in Josh Mines and LJ Ford to solidify what really wasn't a great group at the beginning of the season, the Ravens obviously signed LJ Ford to that extension midseason. Do you see Josh Bynes and Patrick Owasso coming back? And if not, and really LJ Ford's the only guy who's rostered at the moment in the middle linebacker room, who do you think they could bring in or what kind of player do you think they're looking for? I believe Owasso is difficult to project, and I'm not sure – the Ravens really have that much confidence in him to take a ton of snaps in the playoff game. He didn't take too many snaps and wasn't a key factor necessarily. Uh, kind of was the same way, and we saw frustration mount later down the road. I would like to see Josh Bynes come back just so you have somebody there. Uh, Atara Alaka is a guy who was undrafted last year and had a really good preseason and I think could come fill in and kind of do some of the things that Patrick Owasso has shown he's been able to do uh, over the last couple of years. So there's a guy there and there's always guys who can come fill in. I think that inside linebackers kind of been devalued, especially on the free agent market as we saw CJ Mosley just get a monster contract and go not play. And it uh, feels like a lot of those contracts aren't getting delved out. And when they do, a lot of people consider it a big mistake and the book is yet to be written on CJ Mosley, but there's a couple guys that the Ravens could go bring in maybe a Danny Trevathan or a guy like that, that they could put, you know, five, $6 million into. But I really just think in terms of free agency, it's more important to maybe go get a Jordan Phillips out of Buffalo who just had a career year, or maybe a Leonard Williams, although he's probably going to command a big contract and, Get some of those penetrating players up front that can make life a little bit easier. Uh, although playing in front of Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams does make life quite easy because those guys have to be double teamed in that two-gap system. So 
inside linebacker is a difficult position to project on how it's going to look, but I think LJ Fort did some really positive things. I think Josh Bynes was always in the right place and kind of a key piece in get, putting this defense back to where they wanted to be. So I'd like to see Bynes back for sure. Owasso, I'm just not sure that he's much more than a role player at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Owasso's time in Baltimore is probably coming to an end. And, you know, it, it ends with a lot of disappointment. Someone who really flashed at the end of last season and just could not put the pieces together. But Spencer, that's all I have for you today. Again, thank you for joining me on the show here. And, you know, as the offseason goes on, I'm sure our opinions on the draft are going to change. Free agency, they're going to change as well. But we can only speculate until the time actually comes. So thank you again for being on the show. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Kevin. And make sure to go leave the man his five stars. Thank you, Spencer. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about more Ravens football. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.